This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Welcome back to Manifest Mindset. We're here again. Nick, how are you doing? Doing pretty well, Bob. What's new with you, my friend? Nothing much. I, it's, it's been... So I was looking at the calendar today, <laughs> and I realized it's just... Um, we're almost done with August, <laughs> but wait, 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 what was that you said? That that it's August. Yep. Yeah, no, it's um, so August is an important year or important month because uh, August is when both of us graduated from PT school. So August fifteenth, I think for well, for me, I don't know about you if it was August fifteenth or not, but yeah, pretty close to that time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, been exactly, well, six days extra since I've gra- graduated. Uh, so I, it's, it's a pretty uh, surreal experience because it feels like just yesterday I was sitting in class uh, or sitting in the lab talking to you on the podcast kind of thing. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So in this year since you've been out of Ithaca College, since you've gotten your doctorate of physical therapy, um what what has surprised you most about this time one year out? What has surprised me most? You know, it's it's super interesting in class or in school. We always talk about uh, like therapeutic clients and building a connection with with the patient. But I just never really understood how important it is. Uh, so like, it doesn't matter if you're the best. Uh, therapist in the world in terms of giving out the best exercises or the best uh, you have the best hand skills you can move the hands in all different ways but only you know make the patient feel good (laughs) Uh, but it doesn't matter if you can't really connect with the patient or if the patient doesn't like you kind of thing so that's what I really realized this past year and how important that is uh, especially as I've been practicing for about a year so far Um, that's my big takeaway Absolutely. And, and, and Bob, with, with that, right, is what do you feel like you're really good in doing that and building that therapeutic alliance? Like, where do you feel like, oh, I've got my strength, I got, I'm locked down with this, whether it's a certain type of patient or certain thing that you do to really help with that, right, just to give some advice or perspective to other people out there, a glimpse into you, uh, then where do you feel like you still have room to grow within that or is like a next challenge for you? Oh, we're just getting right into it, Nick, but... uh Honestly, when I like basically when we talk to the patients and we get feedback on basically if they do well, if they uh, keep on coming back, if they drop off, if they no show, um, so basically putting things out to the market and the market's giving you feedback and then you have to basically change or pivot based on the feedback that the market's giving you. Right? Um, what I realize is as I'm going through a patient or working with patients kind of thing, I'm just thinking in my head of, okay, what what's the quote-unquote next best clinical step for this person and what what, uh, what exercises I should do or what the next best step to, to helpfully get them to their outcome is. Uh, and I think a struggle point for me is, and I'm working on this a little bit more now, is really making sure that the patient 
and myself were both on the same page before I move on to something else. Or, um, okay, this is, in my mind, it's like boom, 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 boom. All right, we're going to do this, 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 and this. But then if the patient is like, what is going on? (laughs) It's like, it doesn't matter if it's like, if they're feeling better, uh, if if they don't really understand, or think they're not connecting on the same page. I think me really explaining them the next steps or, or what the process is and how this process works really brings them on board more so. And also, that's one thing that I've learned that I'm trying to improve on. But also the second thing is that um, it's okay to take your time. It's okay to take take 30 seconds to ask the patient um, about their family. <laughs> and just talk and, and really be communicative and then just try to build that uh, relationship with them. Um, sometimes, well, sometimes I feel like you only have such a limited time in the clinic that you have to put in all this different kinds of thing, like all these different clinical things. But really, I, I realize is just as long as you build that relationship, you can just do one or two things and it'll be fine. Um, but those are my two big learning points and, and stroke points that I'm really trying to work on for the next year in terms of relationship and patient engagement uh, as I grow as a clinician. I like the direction you're taking with that, Bob. I like the self-reflection, um, and it seems like, of course, all this extends not just to certain type of patients, but really everybody, and how can you better yourself, your communication style, how can you individualize it? Then I think you said something big where it's just giving yourself permission to say, hey, let me talk to you for, like, 45 seconds and just, like, be purely human about it, right, and not try and overdo anything, not try and be over sciencey about it, but just, like, connect to you as a person, uh, then maybe that invested time will allow me to do something else if you're somebody that has to justify it. But if you don't, cool, let me just know this person a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. And, and since I'm on this, uh, I have the, the microphone <laughs> right now. I also, another thing that I think that I learned uh, is, is not to just – is to not be that hard on yourself as you're learning how to engage with patients, as you're learning – what you're doing with patients because, uh, and I could be wrong, but uh, in PT school, or it's all about getting grades. It's when you think of the classic PT student or the DPT student, they're type A, they just want to get perfect straight A's, A's on everything. And you go out into the real world and it's like, okay, it's not all A's kind of thing. And then it can cause some, uh, I guess, you can be a little bit harder on yourself kind of thing, but uh, it comes with experience and it comes with learning. That's it, Nick. That's, that's my three lessons uh, from this past year that I, that I experienced. You know, I'd say, Bob, that isn't, that isn't too shabby for a year overall. I know for you, certainly, um, you know, being this residency, um, you're doing it because you care about patients, but you're also doing it because you want to get better at your processes. You want to get better at understanding things and, you know, it's one thing, right? People saying these kind of this, these things that you're saying that are very important, and I think it's important to remember that these are not in isolation, right? This is coming from a guy like you, where you deeply value learning information, understanding what's going on deeper with the body, right? You're going to a residency and you're reading all these books and you're reading all these books a second time and everything, right? So it's not just oh, let me connect with somebody, and then still not know what to do clinically, right? It's no, we have to put the clinical reasoning and everything else that we do within the context of the person in front of us. So then through that, we can better help them. 
And so I think that's important to remember that all these things that we do are not just in a complete isolation. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I realized how important that is this past year. Um, but, yeah, enough about me, Nick. Anything you want to talk about or any new updates with you? You know, Bob, it's interesting, right? While we're on the subject of, you know, a year or two years out from graduation, um, I almost have the opposite feeling, right, where it's like for me two years ago since I graduated from college, um, at that time, right, I had finished uh, my very last clinical was just studying for my boards that I was going to take two months after that. Um, for me, that feels like forever ago. And, you know, maybe part of that for me is that, you know, I didn't go to school during the pandemic, right? It was very much, you know, school was pre-pandemic and the pandemic kind of seems to be dragging on. School was pre-California for me and different, uh, that kind of Sega that involved in that school is pre like this big New England vacation that I took. Um, and so there, I think there are a lot of things that, define it differently for me, right? Already being done with the residency, being halfway through a fellowship right now. Um, and just the, the richness and the vastness of experience that I've, and not, I don't just mean in the clinic, right, but in life um, that I've had since graduating physical therapy school. And I'm extremely grateful for my time at Ithaca and everything that I learned there and all the professors um, and people I had the chance to have a great relationship with. And it, yeah, it does. it does seem like forever ago in some ways to me too. Really? Well more years to come, Nick. It's uh you got another what, sixty years to <laughs> to, to practice? Uh, all right, it's uh I mean is is that, is that you putting your your time on me, man? I hopefully hopefully you know, those are quality years with however many years I got left, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no definitely. It's it's interesting for sure. But yeah. <clears throat> So, Nick, I, I know at the end of last podcast, you messaged me after. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more. Ooh, let's let's kind of have a teaser on here, right? And let's still not talk about that yet. Okay. For those of you listening, this is <laughs> keep, uh, keep, keep on listening. The I know. Episode, the, the, the episode after that. Maybe all or you'll yeah, get it. or 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 it may be even be episodes after that, right? We'll see how this thing uh, develops. See what possibilities are out there. Um, and I know this is interesting, right? Because for anybody who's been listening a long time to this podcast, they're like, "Wait, Nick and Bob have literally like poured out their souls. They've talked about like everything. Like, what could they possibly be hiding after all the shenanigans and like true, deep, impactful, vulnerable life experiences that they've had? What could they be hiding now that they all of a sudden aren't willing to share?" Well, that's for us to know and you to find out later. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man, I like it. I like it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, right, when you think about, Bob, it's been a year out of school. You've gained these lessons. Do you feel like – so it seems like you have, like, a deeper value for them, right? It seems like you've gained in that. Do you feel like you kind of know where you're going after this residency, what the steps are for you kind of looking to maybe the year ahead for yourself? Um, 100%. 100%. Again, we're, I mean, both of us, as, as you know, we're both big on goal setting, having our yearly goals or our three year, five year, 10 year goals um, all set up. But no, I mean, it's, I think putting myself, I talked about it last time of surrounding yourself or trying to up yourself with the people around you kind of thing. 
And I feel uh, you can either and really trying your best to network as much as you can. Or, and I don't know if this is like another, like a bad connotation to put on this, but you can buy your way in as in like you can go through a residency program or you can go through a fellowship program and then develop those relationships through those efforts. Um, so no, I'm going to, what I'm going to try to do my following year is for, for next year, there's the next step to the McKenzie uh, credentialing program. There's a diploma program. Um, so I'm going to apply for that. Most likely I'll be getting in and then that will be <laughs> most of the next year for me. And that will be a lot of networking and then working with uh, people there as well. But you, and Bob, what, what does that program consist of, right, that's different or that expands upon what you've already done? I'm, I'm more curious because I don't know myself. Yeah, so for the credentialing program for the McKenzie Method, there is uh, you have to take Part A through D, so all these are spine uh, and extremity, and then there's a the Part E, which is optional. Then you take the credentialing exam. So there's a practical portion. There's a pen and paper, which I passed. I, I talked about it last week, so I passed that. Good work. Job well done, sir. Thank you. Um, then the following program is the diploma program. So for the cr credentialing program for McKenzie, if you read like the certificate, uh, what it says on the credentialing uh, certificate is the minimal basic competency in McKenzie method knowledge. So that's like the minimal basic knowledge of the McKenzie method. It's like that's, good, good job. You made it past eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then diploma level is the maximum level of competency you can get kind of thing. So uh, what it entails is a 12-week didactic program. Um, I think it's over – right now it's over uh, online, it's online platform. But the people that I've talked to that went through it said you need at least 20 hours a week to just go through the, uh, the subjects and post different things. And then once you finish that, you, you set up a, a mentorship. Uh, there's three mentorship sites that are – or four mentorship sites that are available to Americans. So there's one in Texas. There's one in New Jersey. There's one in Montreal. There's one in Scotland. And basically, you, you go to the uh, mentorship site, and you're practicing there for nine weeks, so about two months. Well, I, I, would, I would love to have to – hear you in a Scottish accent sometime, that would just be incredibly entertaining. Yeah. I, I was thinking of uh, applying to the to the Scotland one. Um, but it, it's a nine-week program. You're there every day. It's like uh, basically you're just with a mentor every day for nine whole weeks, and all you're doing is, is you're just practicing the McKenzie system and really working through that clinical reasoning. And at the end, there's, there's a test which includes three different oral exams where you're talking to a senior instructor and they're just testing you kind of thing. So that's generally what the diploma program is um, for that next step in terms of the McKenzie Method uh, series. But no, it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to because, again, I've I, I tried to um, really learn the system and use the system, and, and I find it really fun and fulfilling when I use that system specifically because it's, it's a, basically the system is it's an assessment process and everybody that comes through, it's like a puzzle. Um, so, so it's a little bit more fun and then challenging for me than somebody that just comes in and, and they they have a protocol and, and all the stuff that you have to normally do to help that patient out. Kind of thing. 
but that sounds that sounds great, Bob. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm a huge believer, and I attempt to live by it. Right, that mentors are some of the biggest shortcuts in life. And I don't mean shortcuts in a getting out of the easy way. It's you know, oftentimes kind of grueling in a lot, right? But they have their lived experience that they're willing to pass down and condense to you to help you expand upon your own. And just that opportunity to take your high baseline or to say basic minimal knowledge um, to be able to have that foundation and apply that to a higher level to somebody who's been doing it for such a long time for their direct feedback for really nine straight intensive weeks. Um, sounds like one heck of an opportunity. Yeah. It's uh do you know the quote, the blind lead to the blind? Well, this is the, the people that can see lead <laughs> the people that can see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's not, I, I, okay. Forget, forget, we're going to cut that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, all right. No, it's definitely, some, definitely something I'm looking forward to. I'm so, so I'm going to be applying for that at the end of the year. Um, And then, if I want, there's also another fellowship program after that. But we'll see, we'll see a year from now when we talk again in, in August of 2022. See where you're at, and I'll see where I'm at. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good, Bob. I'll be looking forward to that time. Yeah. Well, yeah, wow, wow. Oh, go ahead. Well, well, sorry, Nick, but same question for you, right? It's, it's the, yep. It seems like we're reflecting the year since we graduated, two years for you, one year for me. You're you're halfway done with your fellowship. What's the next step for you? You mentioned um, before in a podcast something that, that really stuck with me of I'm. you mentioned uh, I'm definitely doing something more than just clocking in and out once I finish yeah. my fellowship. So I'm curious, what, what do you have in mind next? Absolutely. Um, so I will be, um, again, like I said, once I'm done with my fellowships and everything, um, I'll very much be making a, a larger impact, doing something purposeful. In some ways it's kind of nice not knowing exactly what that is yet. Um, while, while having a lot of ideas brewing and stewing. Um, but I'm going to be a procrastinator, Bob. I'm going to wait on that for another year um, because I'm actually chasing after one more fellowship to do. Um, so I'll be applying for a fellowship coming up. It's actually a persistent pain, chronic pain fellowship. And for me, a lot of the mission of attempting to apply to this, and right, the idea of applying is hopefully getting it, obviously, and hopefully being accepted to it. Um, but what I would try and do is a lot of my – Part of my larger mission is supporting the clinical reasoning of other physical therapists, but then also more so in helping patients prevent unnecessary surgeries, specifically spine-related surgery. And with the way our medical system is formed, incentivized, um, we're, we're doing a really piss-poor job of that right now. And there are so many people dealing with nonlinear pain, chronic pain, um, that I think is overall as a system within physical therapy is fairly poorly treated. I think we're getting better at raising that baseline minimal competency up a little bit. And so this is my, my way of trying to, one, learn how to help patients even better than ideally spreading that information out um, for more to be able to access as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, let me know how that goes. Is it also through Kaiser? It is through Kaiser, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's right now they have, there's only two persistent pain, pain fellowships. Um, one is more virtual based with some weekend courses a couple times a year through evidence in motion, but then the other one, the only in-person one is through Kaiser. 
Okay, wow, wow. Yeah, so, so right now, just to clarify for, I guess, people that are listening as well, you're going through a spine fellowship, and then, is that correct? Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but correct. I'm in a spine fellowship right now, and set to, actually, we're at the halfway point now, Bob, so, um, yep. you know, I'm done six months. I've got six months more to go with that program right now. Yeah, that's awesome, and I'm sure when you go through the, the Persistent Pain Fellowship, there's also a lot more connections you'll build a lot more networking opportunities. And, and like you said, it's that shortcut in, okay, I want to go there. How do I go there? Oh, I have all these people to learn from. And, and also, uh, I don't want to, this. I don't want to make it sound wrong like this, but also stand on the shoulder of these giants kind of thing to, to help me kind of grow um, as well. So Absolutely. Not, not to give myself any more credit in it, right? But I, I see the kind of impact that's possible for me to have, and I see that the most whole, wholesome, authentic, best way to be able to do that is, well, let me learn from people who have already done that and who are doing it a little bit in a different flavor in their own way, in their own right. Well, let me attempt to do that for myself as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I'm curious, Nick. So um, you have these two fellowships. Is and, and I think you mentioned um, in the past on a previous podcast uh, going into teaching eventually. So you're transitioning after a few years or, or X years of practicing into teaching. Um, do you see yourself teaching in anything in the next few years? Ooh, that's a that's a very good question, Bob. And you know, I think it comes at a time right where I have a couple couple friends of mine. Um, you know, the year, one year, maybe two years um, above me that they're starting to go into teaching roles themselves too, who, you know, they're very ambitious and had some good opportunities as well. Um, the short answer is I don't know for sure. Um, it depends what other opportunities are available. depends what else I want to explore. I don't think in the next four, three to four to five years, I will be doing a full-time teaching position. I don't see myself out of the clinic um, completely then yet by any means. Um, I still want to keep my boots in the mud, still work on that. I think what would be sooner for myself would be going into being a mentor for residents. Um, and I think, you know, I could do that within the next two to three years um, while I'm working, being a mentor for other residents, having more of that one-on-one, -on -one, being a part of a larger team, working with residents, kind of improve their skill set, improve their game, improve their clinical reasoning, almost work a slightly little bit of a higher level compared to being able to impact more students at the entry level. Um, so I think as far as a former professor in that kind of sense from a university, I I don't think yet, um, but I could easily see myself picking up, you know, one class a semester or something like that if the opportunity arose. Yeah, wow, wow. I think that would be very cool to, to really mentor uh, incoming residents, especially since you were in their shoes just a year ago. Um, and plus how much you've grown and learned, you could pass that on to other people. But but I think that's very cool, and this, especially if they're if the mentees are, are just very passionate and just are they're hungry to learn, like how both of, how both we are when we first started our residency kind of thing. So it'll be very cool. I, I think if I have the opportunity, I would also try to aim for the same thing of being able to mentor um, incoming residents or, or even being a, a diploma MVP tutor kind of thing down the line. But, no, definitely interesting stuff. Definitely something cool. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited for where we're going with this, Bob, and I think that, you know, not in such an abstract way, this does deeply tie into a conversation we've had for the last two podcast episodes about, you know, hey, who do you want to surround yourself with, right? And, well, if we can get access to these these mentors, these people who have done it before us, before our time, right, then we're just surrounding ourselves with people who have something to offer in a very different way, right? And, you know, this is very much in the context of physical therapy right now, but I don't want people to think that, oh, the only mentors that you can have are physical therapy directly related, right? Now, it can be for many different things in life. Um, I think it's just got to, same thing, see people who have done it, Seek it out and find it, and make it happen. Let me ask you this, Nick. Who do you? How do you define a mentor? Like, who do you know? Who who can be your mentor? Who? That's a. Hmm. That's a good question, Bob. I like that question, and I especially like that question because I don't have a precise answer right now. Oh, let me think through this. <laughs> um, right? No, no, I, no. I like these right. These questions that are that are challenging. That like make you define it right. Because I like this general sense of it, but to truly dive deep to truly have a very specific answer. Right, so when I think of a mentor, I think of someone that is a capable teacher that has a solution to a understanding or knowledge gap. And that understanding or knowledge gap is one of the larger problem the problem for those seeking the information, right? Um, and, of course, it's easy to just give examples of this rather than to define itself, right? But if you have a gap, whether it's a skill acquisition, whether it's a mindset acquisition, um, understanding within a particular field or anything really, and you know somebody who's one who doesn't have that gap, who understands that information, and they are also somebody that is very willing to teach it, and they're not only willing to but capable of teaching it, right? That's the other extremely important part. And if they have that, all right, I think that that would make them a potential mentor. But I do think mentoring is very much an action, right? It's not just a statement. It's not just a title. It's not just something every once in a while. It's something that's up for, you know, constant renewal or rejection, right? It has to be through action. Um, so somebody just, like, has the capacity to do it but's never done it, eh, it doesn't really give them credibility, right? If you... If you kicked ass in gym- gymnastics 15 years ago, but you haven't done anything with it since, does that really make you a gymnast anymore? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, right? It may make you a retired one. I kind of consider the same thing for a mentor, right? It's got to be somebody that has that capacity to them within their capability. Does, yeah, that, no, does that make sense? What are your thoughts with that, Bob? No, no, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Like if I were to define it, it would be similar to you, somebody that has basically – somebody that you admire or, or somebody that's at somewhere you want to be um, and they have that one attribute that you feel like, all right, I want to be like that. And they have the capacity to one, be able to have the time and the resources to, to pass it on and share with you, but also the capacity to do that. So, and, and I think that's basically what I heard from you next. Is that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but let me, let me just dig a little bit deeper, Nick. <laughs> Because um, everybody knows I've done it to you, so yeah, go dig away. Yeah, because what it sounds like right now, is, and you may say that they're the same thing, but I just want to hear your thoughts. Um, so we have the mentor, right? But how would you differentiate that versus just the coach? Does that make sense? A mentor versus a coach. Or would you say that the exact same thing? 
I think at the heart and the essence of those being titles that are earned, not just dished out or given, mm-hmm. they're the same thing. Um, you know, I, I don't see a coach. I see a coach as a very, an extremely honorable word, right? I don't see it as just a position or a title. Uh, I think there are many people that will call themselves a coach that do they really own that? Do they really coach? Do they really teach deeply? Um, I don't know. Um, but I, I truly consider a great coach and a great mentor to be one and the same. I think that oftentimes a coach will have, well, no, it's similar actually, right? Because I think of a coach having usually one main domain that they work on. However, that often infiltrates into the rest of your life. And that may work with a mentor too, right? Um, Where, you know, they teach you greatness and they teach you to excel in one or two things then it often infiltrates into the rest of your life. I think sometimes being a coach almost has a greater responsibility to be integrated with many other values and ideas and things. Um, I think of someone, I'm reading a, a, in my mind, a good leadership book now called The Score Where It Will Settle Itself. Um, Let me just make sure that's the actual, no, sorry, The Score Takes Care of Itself. And it's a book about former 49ers coach Bill Walsh. Um, He passed away. Um, fairly somewhat recently, um, but he was responsible for the transformation of the 49ers football team and talking about his story, his legacy, his dynasty, the values that he instilled for people. Um, and I would call him absolutely a coach of many and a mentor as well through that role that he served. But he was very much focused on, let me improve football for this organization. But then once he improved football for this organization, so many of those values bled into his players and his staff's lives about just making them better people overall. Right? It's almost like the mentor role was about football and your job and doing it well, doing it right. But then that deeper coaching responsibility and accountability was this better, this better make you a better person to do. I think sometimes for a mentor that often happens, but it doesn't have to happen. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I almost consider, I consider them very close, almost one and the same, but I think, coaching has even that next level of responsibility to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I guess people may be thinking, especially as they're listening to this episode of like, oh, my God, I need a mentor. I, I want a coach. I want some of something, somebody like that in my life. Um, but, but who and how and where do I find one? And And I'm sure we have probably three or four podcast episodes <laughs> talking about this exact subject of how do we find a mentor. Um, and I don't know if I, I – men- I mentioned this in the beginning of this podcast, but I don't know if I mentioned it uh, in previous podcasts. Of For me, I feel like there's there's two ways, like I said, of, of you can either work your way in or, or work for free, um, do your job, and, and find different mentors through there, or you can buy your way in as in you're, you're purchasing a program or you're purchasing a, a different uh, residency course or something like that or, or a course online. But do you have any additional thoughts on so we can make this a full circle of, in terms of, all right, benefits of a mentor? We want it because that, that helps us exceed or excel. But here's the how of finding a mentor. Or Do you have any thoughts on the next? Yeah, I mean, I think the very first thing, Bob, is <clears throat> excuse me. don't get a mentor for the sake of getting a mentor, right? If your thought is, I want to get a mentor – You've already lost. That's already invalid, right? You don't get a mentor in a vacuum. 
What do you want to be mentored in? What do you need to be coached in, right? What is it about you that feels like there is this void, this gap, and what is that gap that you want to fill? And so I think the first question is before finding a who or a how, you know, I mean, we can even before finding a why, right, just what is it? Literally, what is the gap? What is the missing thing? And then you ask the why, right? Why do I value that? Why do I care about that? Why is that important to me? So you place a value behind that. But even before the person needs to come, the direction, the goal, the idea, right? And it can, it can start extremely vague if you want. If it's hard to get started, it's like, well, I have this habit, right, that I'm doing that I don't like that about myself. I don't like that I keep doing it. I'm having a hard time breaking that. Cool, perfect. Find someone in that arena for yourself, right? It can be the simplest thing. It can be, I don't like how I hit the snooze button in the morning two or three times. Well, first of all, I mean, one, see if you can just change it, right? Like, okay, I don't like how I do this. Cool. Don't do it. Okay, well, if that simple thing doesn't work, then maybe finding a mentor, again, this is an extremely simplified situation, but maybe finding a mentor then is very appropriate. Um, But this can be in terms of a lot of nuances of business, right? People who can be an amazing mentor, for someone for, let's say, like a personal training kind of thing, right, would be a awful mentor for certain aspects of business unless you meet the right person that has a combination of both. So finding a mentor for the sake of finding a mentor is complete BS. Okay. Right? If, if, you, if, you, if yeah. you want to, right, and they've had to, had to do it before, right? Um, you know, if you want a mentor for, oh, my gosh, I just had a kid, right? I mean, I didn't, right? So let's clarify that. Um, but I just, I, I had a couple of buddies who did, right? I, they had my first kid. I'm crazy nervous about this, right? The person that you're going to ask for about, like, how to attempt to raise your kid right, it's probably not going to be, like, the 20-year-old who's never had had or had been around kids before. It's probably also not going to be the 50-year-old who's never had kids themselves, right? And so you've got to find someone who's walked the walk and talked the talk and lived live that aspect of life just a little bit more to actually provide some value to that. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. No, I, I agree. I agree. You can't find like not everybody's good at everything, but they're good at something or at least most of them are. Um, but no, yeah, I agree. I mean, just talking with you every time we talk, I, I don't know how many episodes we have so far, but it's been two years, two or three years. And it's, you're you're basically mentoring me on on mindset and personal development and being able to speak and talk and think more deeply. And that, that's something I've seen in you even the first time we've met. You've always been this person that's able to self-reflect, and I'm like, oh yes, that's the guy I need to talk to, kind of thing. So, well, I say I say it's mutual there, Bob. Right? Where well, you're encouraging me to ask questions of myself, you're getting better asking those deep probing questions you have your own life experiences now where it's like oh yeah let me let me like contribute deeply and add to this um i think it would be incredibly entertaining almost seeing oh wow this is the type of conversations we had two years ago compared to now and in some ways it would look very very similar um and there would be so many aspects that would be the same and in so many ways it's matured in different aspects matured in terms of what we were seeking and growing for where the things that were appeared to be more of a mystery back then are um, have a slight element of a little bit more certainty now, but also still humble enough to recognize we don't fully know or understand it. Yeah, definitely. Well, next, so I think, I think really, really the first step, right, is is asking yourself if I want a mentor, 
what do I want to be mentored in? And then once I understand that, add some value to it, right? And, like, be hungry, right? Don't just say, oh, I want to mentor in this and reach out immediately. No, 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 no. Try and solve it yourself. See where you hit your roadblocks. Be self-reflective. Find out more about yourself. But then when that doesn't work, then go get a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I like it, Nick. It's been a, it's been a, certainly a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Nick. Um, is there anything else you want to add or talk about, Nick? Not for today, my friend. I know that you, uh, you had a good session this morning. Um, but, you know, that'll be a battle for another day to talk about that and see how your progress is going with the Toastmasters. Oh, yes, yes. That's going well. It's like I'm giving speeches like nobody's businesses. <laughs> I'm talking about magical stuff. Um, and it's it's. I highly encourage anybody that wants to get better at public speaking to really join Toastmasters. But let's hit on some accountability. Um Nick, do you remember what you talked about last time for accountability? <laughs> I can tell by the way uh, you asked a question that you may or may not, right? Um, but, yes, for me it was continuing to ask myself, um, am I, like, today or at this moment, am I somebody who would be worthy of being in my top five? Yes. So it's really, for me, a continuation of that same thing from last time. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. I don't exactly remember what I put for my accountability. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> but I'm I'm 100% sure I've completed whatever I said uh, based on <laughs> my intrinsic motivation. <laughs> um, well, Bob, Bob in, in the spirit of pushing you in the right direction, right, um, I think homework for you is go back to the last episode, figure out whatever you said, and make sure we actually did versus assuming it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, but for your sake, I'm also not um, to help you be a better person with that. So explore that a little bit, make sure that we're actually aligned with it, um, and we'll figure that out next time. Yep, I think that's the point. <laughs> All right, right but, but like like anything, right? It's that we you you have a good track record, so it's not like me just assuming, oh yeah, you must have messed it up. No, let's go prove it, right? Give yourself some time. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Definitely keeping my feet to the fire, Nick. So I like it. So I'll let you know next episode when we talk what what it was and then uh, if I did it. <laughs> Perfect. You want to have anything for this time? Um, I – so I'm studying for the OCS now. And a big part of the OCS is reading the current concepts, reading the CPGs, and taking some courses on MedBridge. Well, do you do anything different, Nick? I, I know we're at the end of our episode, but anything quick that you would really advise or, or really try to study into? So tell me one more time exactly what you're doing and where you're kind of placing more weight. So I'm reading all the uh, the current concepts, like the monographs for yep. the, the from APTA, but yep. I'm reading the CPGs, and then we have a study group every other week. Um, and then there's courses on MedBridge, that my group recommended to just go through and watch and take the exams. No, that's, that's for myself, right? That's pretty close to what I did. Um, no, that's pretty darn close to what I did. I would, I would keep it at that. Yeah. So I would you, say if, if, if you get caught again, this is very biased, right? This is coming from me and what worked for me. If you get caught with time and you're like, Oh man, all this stuff, right. is too much. 
feel free to skip some of the modules in MedBridge to prioritize the other aspects that you're doing, but still take every single quiz question in MedBridge. Okay. So still, still take all the quizzes, still take all the exams and practice tests and everything, but feel free to temporarily skip um, what you're doing as far as the contact. Yeah. All right. Got it. Uh, thanks, Nick. So I think for me, by the next time we talk, I want to – this is counter to what you just said, but I, I want to watch through the whole ankle and um, foot modules on the bridge. That is right. That is my goal for next time. Perfect. Um, for me, it'll be, I don't know if it's going to be by next time or just setting a date to it, right? But um, by the end of this month, I will have finished editing and have done my response to the application for the Persistence Pain Fellowship. Does that mean submitting it or? That means submitting it as well. Submitting it. I like it. Yep. So by August 31st, it's due at the very end of September, but want to stay on top of the game here. Definitely. All right, Nick, it's been a pleasure. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye.